Welcome back everyone to our series on uh, running on empty. It's our second study and if you've missed the first one, I'll put the link below in the description. This series is designed to help us get through this tough period of lockdown um, and to make sure that we've got enough left in the tank uh, as, we, as we try to make it all work for us. The challenges that we're all facing are going to be different depending on what way it's looking for you, uh, depending on your employment situation, if you're trying to homeschool children, trying to figure out balancing that with working, or if you're totally in lockdown, isolated from even the people in your own home. Um, the challenges are different. And so the question has to be, okay, how do we stop all these things from draining us emotionally, physically, spiritually? How do we stop these things from emptying our resources to the point where we're running on fumes and then we just conk out on the side of the road? So in our first message, we talked about lightening the load. Obviously, a car is going to run out of fuel quicker if it's carrying a load that's too heavy for it. And so we turned to Matthew 11 and read that Christ's answer to this is to come to him all who labor and are burdened so he can take that weight from off our shoulders. And the link to that will be below. But as we come to God's word again this morning, another way to find yourselves conked out on the side of the road is that if you start your journey off with an empty tank. As a family, we would often pack the car up with the scooters and picnics and all the rest of it and head off for a day in the car. Simpler times, back in the before days, whenever we only worried about Brexit. But on the really long journeys, if we're going away for a couple of days, perhaps even, I'd check the car before setting off. Oil, water, tire pressure, and I'd make sure that we had enough fuel in the car. Because if you're going to start off on fumes, doesn't matter what else you've done, you're not going to get very far. Now, I don't know what you're like, but I find that whenever I start my day stressed, I tend to be stressed for the rest of the day. When I start my day hurried, I tend to stay hurried all day. Whenever I start empty, it's hard to snap out of that. It sets the tone for the rest of the day. Now, there's two key things that I want you to remember for this message today as we go into our study. The first thing is that how we start our day is a choice. Starting stressed, starting on an empty tank doesn't happen by chance. It happens by choice. Do I start my day empty? Do I start this day into a day ahead or a journey into this day ahead empty? Or do I start it with God? That's a choice. Do I lay down the right preparations for this journey into the day ahead, into the unknown? I could start on an empty tank, but it's better if I don't. I need to start each day with time with God. And, and just for a reference point, when I talk about time with God in the morning, I'm talking about 15 minutes. I'm not talking about a sort of a crazy two-hour prayer marathon in the morning. No, just 15 minutes. And, and so the first principle is that it's not by chance, it's by choice. The second principle, and we'll come and unpack it a wee bit later on, is that quiet times are not about spending time studying God, but spending time with God. That's the real factor here. And the beautiful thing is that time alone with God in these mornings, these 15 minutes, it's his idea. The Bible is his idea, his gift to us. Prayer is something that he calls us to do. He wants us to hear from him. He wants to hear from us. So if you struggle to get up in the mornings to do this 15 minutes, well... Try going to bed a wee bit earlier. Watch four episodes of Tiger King instead of all eight or however many's out at the minute. 
wherever you're watching, it'll be of infinitely more worth those 15 minutes in the morning than anything that's on TV or social media, I promise you. He's invited us to come and start the day with the full time by spending it with him. He wants us to start the day anchored in his presence, so we start on a full tank. So how do we have a quiet time then that will help us start with a full tank? Rule number one, take the time. God is never in a hurry, and so you need to create a pace, a place of 15 minutes in the morning to be calm and to be ready. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. You can't be still if you run around after sleeping in. You can't be still when you run around eating breakfast and getting dressed. Look, if you wake up in the morning and you can go straight into it, super duper, I'm not like that. I need to get out of bed. I need a mug of tea in my hand. I need a bit of Vita, nicely buttered. I need to move around a wee bit to make sure my brain is awake before I take anything in. But you need to find a space where you can do that, where you can read and you can be still. Because this book is holy. God is speaking. You can't have Eamon Holmes and Pierce Morgan in the background chittering on. Matthew 6, 6 says, when you're going to pray, go to a quiet place, close the door, shut the rest of the world out. God doesn't want us to head into the day trying to figure it all out on the fly. He's given us his word to guide and to instruct, to help us establish patterns and principles in our daily lives. This happens by choice, not by chance. The word of God is full of words of comfort, words of life, words of hope, words of direction. Does anyone need those today? Of course we do. So we need to slow down and read the word of God. So when I rush, you know, one of two things is normally going to happen. When I rush, I tend to mishear what someone, normally Ruth, is trying to tell me. And I end up doing the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, thinking that I'm great and I'm not. Or I miss what she said entirely and that makes, you know, it gets people more frustrated with me. So, was what I was being told useful? Was she trying to communicate things that was going to be helpful? Was it going to be beneficial? We'll never know. Because <laughs> uh, I'm too busy. I was too busy to pay attention and I missed it. And then I get frustrated because I wasted time and I wasted energy because when I had listened, I acknowledge that my wife can, does, speak to me. But it's not going to develop much of a relationship if I don't take it in and ignore her. If that's my wife, how much more do you think that applies with God whenever I ignore him and he's trying to tell me something that's going to save me from frustration? But we need to take the time because it's not enough just to read the words on the page. We need to meditate on them. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, keep the, this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, how do you meditate? Well, if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Meditation is simply focusing on one thought over and over. So take the skills that you use and you employ whenever you're worrying about something and instead do that to the word of God. Focus and let it roll around in your head on, on a regular basis, regularly throughout the day. Pay attention, analyse it, go over it and over it like what we do with worry. But meditate on God's word, chew it over instead. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, he says, All scriptures breathed out by God are profitable for teaching and reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. 
All scripture is useful in these things, which means you can turn to any page in the Bible and God is going to be there waiting to reveal something to you about those words. Now, I'm not interested in telling you how to meditate or how exactly you should go about your quiet time. Because what will work for some people will not work for other people. I'll maybe share a generic kind of flow to at the end, but what works for some is going to work differently for others. And truthfully, people can get really specific about things. It's not always helpful. Um, the likes of the daily reading notes, I'm not a big fan, I'll be honest. Um, I think it was because whenever I was a teenager trying to find some, it was a nightmare. They were either too childish or too adult and that they were talking about mortgages and raising kids. I was like, well, I'm 15. I don't care about that stuff. Maybe I'd have a different opinion of them now, but they didn't work for me whenever I wanted them to. Or you could maybe try getting up really early for prayer. And some people do that. It, it doesn't work for me. Not having a young family. Because chances are they're up before me anyway. So, Or I just fall back asleep again. So be honest. I'm not the only one who's done that. Okay. Or, or maybe you've tried those guilt-ridden read the Bible in a year things. You know. And they always start well. And you always kind of are on, on track at the start. And then you end up. It's November. And you're still reading March's entries. And it gets embarrassing. And so you just stop. I've learned that these things aren't working, not because the material is bad, because my mindset is wrong. If I come to this whole quiet time thing and it's a chore that I have to take off, it's another thing that I have to do in my busy day. It doesn't matter what the material is in front of me. It's going to be a struggle. But when I come and I see it as a conversation with God, as natural as talking to Ruth over breakfast, then it's not about studying Christ. It's about spending time with him and it becomes more natural, it becomes easier. God is with me. So having a conversation, it's like having my daily briefing from the commander in chief. But we'll have to remember prayer and Bible study is part of the same conversation. Now, how should it go? Well, rule number two, number one is make the space. Number two, let him speak. He's God. He gets to go first. That's just how it is. Okay. And so maybe you can start with a quick prayer, something like, Father, I'm here. I'm ready to hear from you. Open my eyes. Show me what you need to show me. Remember, we, we talked about this in Easter, Luke 24, 45. Open my mind to understand the scriptures. And then spend time reading the scriptures. Now, I know that some will say, look, Jeff, I'm not a reader. I'm struggling to understand what's being said. Then look, that's fine. But then get a Bible that you can read easily. I like the ESV. I like the New Living. Many use the NIV. Some prefer their King James. That's fine. But make sure that what you're reading is right for you. Use websites like Bible Gateway and they have all the different translations there. And you can try some out, read a couple of passages and compare them and see what works for you. But the thing that you need to remember is that this time in the morning, it's for depth, not for speed. OK, don't try to read five chapters in 20 minutes as if that's the goal, rushing through it all. It's not. Read for depth, not for speed. This isn't a race. It's an exploration. That's, I think, probably my big issue with the likes of reading the Bible in a year. It's good to be able to say you've done it. It'll take you to passages that you maybe have missed and never read before in your life. But if you've got a 10-minute window in the morning, trying to fly through all that material only puts pressure on you to hurry even more, which means you're going to miss what God's really trying to show you and reveal to you. And you'd have missed the things that you'd have gotten if you'd only stopped to be still and rest in his presence. James 1.25 is a great 
listen, um, is great. If you just listen to this, it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. That's meditating in his word, filling your mind, letting it take root. For, for me, whenever I like, whenever I'm reading, I like to pay attention to the verbs. I like to circle key words. So in the verses, that verse in James, James 1.25, I see various things. If you have it in your Bible, circle the word intently, circle the word freedom, the word continue. So just in doing that, we say, okay, by looking contently, by focusing in on it and keeping focused, it brings freedom. But then that leads to the question, what does freedom look like? What does he mean by freedom? Now, there's something that we can meditate on. There's something that we could pray about. And then circle the words, not forgetting, but doing will be blessed. Here's my point. Slowing down and just doing that for one verse is more valuable than powering through four chapters and walking away and having taken nothing in. There's a huge difference in gazing into someone's eyes and connecting with them than looking up, seeing them, glancing and moving on. One is stopping, appreciating, absorbing. The other is just walking on, missing out on the connection. Remember, this is not about studying God, but spending time with God. I understand people are in a rush in the mornings. But could you imagine saying to your wife at breakfast, okay, dear, look, I love you, but you've got 200 words or five minutes, whatever finishes first, and then I have to head on. Get slapped. But we do it with God every morning. You've got one chapter to, to make it worth my while, or you've got 10 minutes and then I'm out of here. If you don't say anything meaningful, God, you blew it, not me, because I have to go. That's not going to work. Psalm 119, 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. How do we get to a place where we don't sin? We have to have your word, his word hidden in our hearts that's something that takes time it takes meditation you can't just hurry through that process someone once said show me a bible that's falling apart and i'll show you a life that isn't i like that so let's go a wee bit deeper then again rule one make the time to fill up each day be still and know that he is god rest in him rule number two let god go first read the word rule three listen carefully reflect on what's being said meditate on it let it stew a little bit again this can happen if you don't slow down to be still but when we have read god's word it's worth taking the time then to say okay god what am i supposed to take out of this what do these key words and phrases that i've circled and underlined and, and drawn out what do i do with this information then what are you telling me about my life today again like said james one what does freedom look like to you god and then pray that. Pray that and expect an answer. Don't rush on. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says in the New Living, The Lord God has given me his words of wisdom so that I may know what I should say to all these weary ones. Morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. I love that. He's given me words of wisdom to encourage others. So I wonder, do you know his voice? When was the last time you heard his voice? See, one of the biggest barriers I found them missing out on the voice of God, or at least modelling it with other voices, and we've all got other voices trying to vie for our attention. One of the biggest barriers has always been me being too busy. 
We've spoke about this last time, being busy with good things, but they're uncommanded things, things that burden us and we run out of fuel. Well, the same thing can make sure we start off the day with an empty tank. We're up and away and, oh, this needs attention. Oh, I've got to do this and, oh, this needs looked at. And all of a sudden, all our priorities are being fired at us. Well, that's great, but our Bible needs to be looked at as well. Being busy suggests this is our priorities. i got to do this and then this and then this and then this and then this. When we start the long journey, we need to make sure, yes, the luggage is packed and the oil and the tires are checked, and that's great. There's several things that need to happen before we can set off on our journey each day. Yes, that's true. But you're going to go nowhere without making sure you've got fuel for the day. If you're busy, then you need to be busy in the Word to set you up for the rest of your day well. It's like someone building a roof of their house before they've built the foundations. It's like, well, yeah, you're right, that does need to be done, but... Other things have to happen first before you make the before you make this work. So value that time in the morning, especially just after you've read the word, when God can speak to you about what you have just read. And again, find space for that to work. Matthew 6, 6 tells us, go into the room, shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That may mean being disciplined with yourself in these lockdown days bed at a good time, get up at a proper time, do it over a coffee, do it while you're walking the dog, find space to make it happen. But a question I, I so often get asked is, okay, but Jeff, how do I know it's definitely God's voice that I'm hearing? When there's so many voices all trying to get my attention, how do I know which one is God's? Well, a couple of ways. Number one, experience. Over time, you'll become more tuned in to the voice of God in your life. The same way that I know it's one of my girls that's crying in a park that's crowded with full of people. I can hear their voice. I can distinguish it from all the others because I know them. But to be honest, the easiest way to check if it's God's voice is that he'll never say anything that this um, that contradicts the other biblical principles. So read the Bible, know the Bible and see if it matches up with what you think is being said. And something that I've realised is that when God speaks, he's not going to shout it or scream it necessarily. Most often, it's a still, small voice. I love the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. The start of the chapter, it's tough. He's running for his life. He gets to the point of suicide. God moves in and cares for him. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. But then he's still discouraged. He says, God, it just feels like I'm the only one who actually cares about you anymore. It's like I'm the only one who's trying to live this life. Then listen to verses 11 and 12. God says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a still small voice. What I love about this is that when you're far away from someone, you need to raise your voice so that you can be heard. But when you're really close to someone, all you have to do is whisper and they'll hear. God so often speaks in whispers because he's right there close by with you. Even when you're down and discouraged like Elijah was in this passage, God was so close. He was right there in the cave, in the dark places, in the scary places, in the lonely places. God is there close by. So he will whisper, not shout, as long as you don't rush on and miss it. 
I don't know who's who's listening to this online, but maybe you've given up on God. Maybe you've given up on quiet times a long time ago and you find yourself running on empty and you're in this cave and you need to hear God's voice. Listen to me this morning. He is closer than you think. He just need to be still and know that he is God. Get into the word and listen to him speak. So rule number one, relax, make the time, be still and know that he is God. Rule two, read, let God go first. Number three, reflect, listen carefully, God, what is it you're whispering to me about the day ahead? Rule number four, make a note, make a record. Keep a record of what God has been saying. I would tend to write it on the margins of my Bible to keep note as I go through and I underline things and so everything can be there and a wee bit messy looking, but I can understand it and it's organized chaos. It really helps me find clarity because if I can't write down what God, someone has just told me, then I probably haven't understood what I've been told, right? So by writing it down, I can walk away from my quiet time with an articulate understanding of what God has shown me. Psalm 102.18 says, Let this be a record for the generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. See, when you take a note of something, it's proof that God has spoken to you. So the next time you read that passage and you're feeling low, you're reminded that God spoke to you at this point. Or you could, that Bible can be passed on to someone and say, okay, God has been working through someone in this book. You never know, you might even come back and use those notes as a sermon. That's how many of mine start. Okay, last rule, number five, respond. Now it's your turn to talk. This is where bad habits can maybe hurt us because we tend to pick up our own flow and rhythm in prayer and uh, we just say the same things and our prayers are just verbatim the same thing day by day. Uh, but this is a chance for us to talk to God about what he has just said to us, what we have just seen, what we have just written down. Now, I'd suggest, I would never suggest that any of you would ever fight with your spouse, but imagine a time that we'll call intense fellowship. How do you break out of that cycle? Well, it's easy. You turn around and say, okay, well, here's what I'm hearing whenever you say this. Because at least whenever you then say that and say, okay, you can pick up on where the confusion is. Because then some can turn and say, yes, that's what I said, but you're putting the emphasis on the wrong thing. Here's what I'm trying to really emphasize, but when I'm saying this to you, or they might be able to say, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Let me try a different way of phrasing it. Let me try a different way of doing it so we can clear up because you're not hearing what I'm saying. It clears the blurred lines of communication. And this time of prayer at the end of reading the scripture after meditating with God is the same as a chance for us to reflect back what we think God has been saying to us. It's us saying, okay, God, I'm hearing you say this to me. And then we engage with that in prayer. Okay, God, I, I loved reading this promise, but help me to treasure that. Help me to claim that today. Okay, God, I, I read this, but I'm struggling not having control of that aspect of my life. Help me to give you control of that problem. Help me to give you control of this relationship. Help me to give you com uh, control of this work aspect. God, this thing just shows you that we think totally differently. Help me to find peace and rest in your ways that are higher than mine. God, thank you for showing me this person in scripture. Thank you for showing me that I'm not the only one who has this going on. Thank you for showing me this aspect of Elijah's life. How you still love him, how you still care and you came through for him even in the caves. You see, relationships are emotional and you should engage in the emotions of our spiritual life. If you like what you read, great. If you don't, still great. 
It gives you something to talk about. Why is it that you don't like what God's trying to say? Why is it that you don't like what he's trying to do here? Are you trying to hold on to something? What's going on? And, and talk to God about that. He's not afraid of what you might think. He'd rather you be honest. Stop pretending. Stop acting. Stop pretending that, oh, I'm so spiritual because I've read these passages. Even though deep down you're going, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. That's why Matthew 6, 6 says, pray in your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret. It means you can be real with God. It means that if you're hurt or you're confused or you're finding it hard to grasp what it is you're supposed to be doing, that's fine. You pray about it. And then you just come back and you pick it up where you left off tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, a lot of things can't be solved with one conversation. Psalm 5 starts with this. It says, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King, my God, for to you do I pray. Do you see three ways he mentions of praying there? He says, give ear to my words, consider my groaning, pay attention to my cry. Sometimes you come to God and you can't even muster words. All you can do is sigh and groan. Sometimes all you can do is cry. God still sees that as a powerful prayer. It's a real prayer. It's probably more real than a lot of the other prayers you have prayed. A real friend is okay with you just coming and breaking down. It's okay when you just come and feel rubbish on. Oh, it's been hard today. Prayer is the language of the heart. And the whole point of this is to spend time with him. Not just to study a book about him. So let's piece those five things together then. What do you have? You have a 15-minute time with God. Take one minute to relax. Be still and know that he is God. Close the door. Shut everything else off. Then take five minutes. Read. Let God go first. Pick up where you left off. If you're starting off, I recommend the Gospel. I really like the book of Matthew. Or why not a book like James or one of the Psalms. Just take your time. Don't rush. Then take another five minutes. Reflect, Psalm 119.97, I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. God, what is it you're trying to say to me? God, what is it that, that, that I can just hold on to throughout today? What, what's the promise? What's the lesson? What's the challenge? Then take two minutes, write it down. Can you articulate what God has just shown you? So what's that? That takes us up to about 12 minutes or so. Then spend some time in prayer. A simple request. Commit it to God. Commit your day to the Lord. Ask him for help to put what you've learned into action. And you see, his word will teach us his will. His will will show us his way. And his will will inform us how to pray. And it's not that that's the only time that you pray during the day. Oh, it's only a three minute window. No, you can reach out again and again and again throughout the day. But this will be enough to make sure that you start strong. That you start uh, with a fuller tank than what most of you have done otherwise this week. So just as we finish, as you close your eyes to pray, I know one of the things that we hate to admit, and I've mentioned it before, is that sometimes we fall asleep whenever we pray. We've all done it. Don't you lie to me, okay? <laughs> I know so many pastors who will tell you how to fix that. But let me say this. As a father myself, I have never found myself being annoyed at my two daughters. And they come to me and they're crying or they're groaning or they're anxious. And they come to me and they sit up on my knee and they fall asleep in my arms. Feeling safe, feeling protected, feeling that they can rest. 
so how much more so our Heavenly Father, who loves us more than we love our children, loves us more than we could even imagine. So start your day with a full time. Have your quiet times. Draw near to the one who whispers, even in the caves, even in those dark places. It doesn't matter how long you've been away from the word. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've opened your Bible and really got into it. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've really had a proper, honest time of prayer. God is waiting and he wants you to come. He wants to spend this time with you. He wants to have that closeness to you. So come. God bless.